shot and a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Staden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, it sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Sadich plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in! Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Herve there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in! Donovan Bynes is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it! Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Welcome into the fourth episode of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. I'm Brennan Hartlove, joined once again by Joe Malfa in the studio, making his return from a two-podcast absence, um, which he was replaced by the uh, British export of Tom Hindle <laughs> in, in that time. So, Joe, welcome back. I'm back, baby. I'm back. So, we're going to have a lot to discuss on this podcast, two games to recap, two to preview, and then I had the opportunity to sit down with Maryland fullback Ben DeRosa this week, who is having quite the week himself. We'll get into why that is, but stay tuned for a great chat with him. We talked about uh, kind of, again, his progress getting to Maryland and then a little bit of fun about some of the guys on the team, so stay tuned for that. But we picked things up with a national championship rematch last Friday night against Akron, and right out of the gate, it was a pretty exciting game. It was a great crowd on hand as well, which we haven't seen with some of the just start times and game days uh, that Maryland has had. But Eric Matzalevich, who was on the podcast last week and then scored Friday night, coincidence, I think not, had a very impressive goal in the 18th minute of that game. It was a ball won by Nick Richardson in the midfield, came down to Eric Matzalevich, put it off the top of the crossbar, bounced straight down over the line, and then celebration ensued. And one thing we wanted to get into a little bit is we're, we're going to kind of rank these celebrations and evaluate how the guys did. And so, Joe, your your take on Eric Matzlovich's celebration in that game. I think it was perfectly over the top. <laughs> it had everything it needed to be it needed to have to be just an excellent celebration. It was way over the top. Which is how Eric is. That's I was just going to say, that's Eric. Yeah. So, like, it was perfect for him at how over the top it was. And I, I thought he was going to end up on the other end of the field at some point. Uh, he was on you know, the, the one side of the crew. I thought he was going to go all the way down to the other side of the crew as well and, and do something over by the, the Santa Barbara Nets that were on the other end of the field. Yeah. That was honestly in the back of my mind that I thought he would do that to show up Akron a little bit, but he didn't go that crazy. So, <laughs> so if you didn't see the celebration, what it was, and I was giving him a bunch of crap about this after the game too, it, he went for the, the fist pump into the knee slide with the salute. And it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of components. And I, I joked with him after the, after the game. I was like, so you just kind of spammed a bunch of FIFA celebrations I was just like, going to say, he, he hit about every single button at the same time, and the <laughs> game glitched and just did them all. All at Instead once. of yeah. giving him whichever one he hit first. Yeah. 
So it was a perfectly intense and very Eric Matzlevich celebration, which the crew loved. Uh, go find it on social media. It was it was fantastic. So yeah, we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the celebrations because the guys have fun with those, and we can we can tease them about it a little bit. So, um, but in that game, Maryland leads one nothing in the 18th minute. In uh, probably the first half was the best soccer we've seen Maryland play oh, all far. season by far. I mean, they were completely dominant in that first half. They had the scoring opportunities. They converted. Uh, the one for Merrick, and just overall, they were defensively sound. They didn't have any lapses at the back that gave accurate. They did in the second half, mm-hmm. not in the first half. In the first half, they were clean at the back. Possession, there was no possession stat, but it had to have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 70-ish to Maryland. Yeah, uh, Completely dominant first half in all facets. Brian Padilla controlled the whole top line. Uh, Different story in the second half, but the first half was pure dominance. Yeah, and so you you mentioned Brian Padilla, and he was exquisite in that first half. And part of that is, we won't go into too much detail about this, because our writer Tom Hindle did a very good video breakdown of Brian Padilla in that game. You should check it out on our website. Um, But he was playing that attacking midfielder, the central kind of playmaker and I've, I've gotten some feedback from some people that we're a little over technical sometimes talking about these positions and just saying number 10 and assuming people know what that is but that attacking midfielder um, kind of in the center is what Brian Padilla was playing he's typically a winger he typically plays out on the outside but with Luke Brown still being injured in that game Padilla slotted into that spot and performed admirably. So uh, you can read more about how he did in that position. But he looked very lively, not afraid to have a go from distance. We saw him cutting onto that left foot sometimes and that magic, beautiful left foot of his um, and searching for the top corners a few times. Couldn't find one there, but looked very, very good. So Maryland goes into the halftime locker room with a one nothing lead. Uh, lots of confidence, lots of momentum. They come out, and Akron hits the post pretty much straight away. It was an early warning shot of what was to come in that second half. Akron, the complete opposite. They controlled all the possession in the second half. It was 10 white jerseys for the Terps behind midfield for almost the entire half. I don't even remember the Terps having a chance beside a free kick from Padilla that landed on top of the netting. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think they had any scoring opportunities in the second half. Akron had the one that hit the post. Uh, they later had another flurry in front of the net, but Maryland was able to deal with it. A lot of bodies in the box flying around. It, it was that just that big initial first shot from them that hit the post, um, and, and that would have almost undone an entire tremendous half from the Terps in the first half. You cannot fall asleep like that coming out of halftime, and it almost cost them. So Maryland had five shots in the second half of that game. Nothing they weren't dangerous. Though. Yeah, nothing that really was threatening uh, threatening the back of the net. Um, their goalkeeper didn't make a save in the entire second half, no. so there, there's kind of the, the proof there. Um, but So in that second half, Maryland's kind of withstanding that pressure. Now, one moment of significance in that second half was center midfielder captain Eli Cronali went down with an injury and that was I would say probably midway to early midway of that second half and he did not return for the rest of the game seemed like kind of a muscle injury um, so David Kovacic came in there to play obviously still without Luke Brown uh, for that game but uh, it was kind of a loss for Maryland in the midfield and kind of unbalanced them a little bit, which is, I think, what disrupted maybe a little bit of that that attacking rhythm. Yeah, but it wasn't until, like, the 70-ish minute that he went down, Cornelli. So that's still 25 minutes where he was in there and, mm-hmm. and Akron was just dominant. So it, I'm not sure what it was, whether it was positive adjustments at halftime from Akron or uh, Maryland – not quite adjusting enough at halftime. Mm-hmm. 
whatever the case was, it just wasn't the same at all the second half for Maryland. Yeah, it was the 72nd minute. Uh, so you're almost spot on with that, that Eli Cronelli came out. And then we didn't really talk too much about what the starting lineup was, but it was interesting because you had Justin Harris, a freshman, very getting young. his very, very young, young starting lineup. You had Justin Harris on one wing, the freshman from River Hill High School in Howard County, and Malcolm Johnston, who, as probably anybody listening to this podcast, knows what happened with him on the first game of the season with that game-winning goal. So it was a very young lineup to start, especially on those wings, but they played very well um, themselves, but I think towards as the game went on, they had defensive responsibilities and they weren't exactly yeah. getting forward as much. When they can go forward, they can be very dynamic as a trio, and I love seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Brown, he, it's his role to lose still. He's not going to have it taken away from him, I don't think, because he missed a little bit of time with the injury, mm-hmm. but he l- did not look nearly in the time that he's played as electric as Padilla did in that role, and just seeing all three of those young guys in a row excites you about not only this season as they continue to grow yeah. for this team, but going forward, Harris, Johnson, and Padilla, the three of them just right across that uh, line of three in the midfield going forward for the Terps. Very, very exciting. Yeah, so Maryland comes out of Friday night with a one nothing win over Akron, the exact same scoreline that it was in Santa Barbara when you and I were there. It was a little bit poetic almost. Yep. Um, and But... I'd argue it actually might have been a better performance by Maryland this time around than last. We don't have to get into all of that, but it depends on how you want to look at it. Better first half performance for sure. Yes, absolutely. Probably not as good of a second half performance. Fair. So we'll now move into the Villanova game that was on Monday night. That was kind of a very quick turnaround. And when Maryland's dealing with some of these injuries, um, it's kind of it takes a toll on them. And so Eli Cronelli was back in the starting lineup for that game. He was a little bit questionable. And Luke Brown was now kind of upgraded to healthy but limited. And he was going to see some time. But Nicholas Newman got the start in goal against Akron Friday night and then again against Villanova Monday night. That was the first time we've seen a Maryland goalkeeper start in back-to-back games. Now, when I talked to Sasha before the game, he said he still hasn't picked a starter. Um, It shouldn't be read into too much that Newman was getting the start. However, Newman had about five minutes in that game before he went up to punch away across and collided with a Villanova forward. And currently, as I understand it, he has about a four to five inch gash over his his eye um, that he has gotten out of the homework in class four because hey, it, because thing. it hurts and he didn't train uh, on Wednesday. Um, but anyways, Russell Shealy comes into the game. And so, really, that Newman back-to-back starts wasn't really a back-to-back start. just on paper. I think, and as far as the game itself, I'll defer to you on it because Uh I was, full disclosure, out of town. So, I only saw the last 20 minutes of this match. So, Brendan is the expert on this this (laughs) one. Uh, But just as far as the goalkeeper situation, I think we were at a point where we were going to get our starter. Mm -hmm. Sasha can say that, not to read too much into it, Mm -hmm. but Newman got both high – in the rotation, he got both high leverage games. Shealy got USF and – uh, the UCLA match in which he did not put forward a good performance. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, Newman got the ranked matchup at Audi Field against Virginia and then the rematch against Akron. Mm-hmm. So he got both of the more high leverage matchups, whereas Shealy got two of the lower leverage matchups. Shealy did not acquit himself well in the, U- in the UCLA one. Both times that Newman was out there, he looked really good. I think that it was not a coincidence that he was out there back-to-back starts. And unfortunately, we're not going to know now going forward because he got hurt in the fifth minute. So I think we were finally at a point where, despite whatever Coach Zorowski was saying, he was the starter, Newman, and he was going to prove to be the starter Mm -hmm. going forward if he had another good performance 
against Villanova. But now we'll never know. Now we will have yeah. to just wait and see how things go with his cut and how Sheely takes this extended playing time and runs with it. Yeah, and so Sheely was never really tested too much in that game. Um, and not a ton happened until midway through the second half. It was a very physical game, lots of fouls in the first half. And we did see the return of Luke Brown into the team. He did not get the start, but was available. And talking to Sacha before the game, he said he hoped to get him maybe 15 minutes in the first half or so, and then a little bit more in the second. That's exactly what happened. Um, so you go into the locker room, halftime, 0-0. Not really too many uh, impressive chances for either, either team. And it wasn't very attractive play. We saw beautiful possession and attacking masterclass on Friday night against Akron. In the first half. In the first half. Uh, did not get any of that in the game against Villanova. So in the second half of the Villanova game as well, Eli Cornelli again picks up an injury. And you can tell it was kind of an understanding between him and the bench that that may happen. And it was kind of him, if he felt something, he was to take himself out of that game, which he did. Um, so for the majority of the second half this time, not just halfway through, David Kovacic was kind of playing that box box. depth to have. Absolutely. And we talked about that a lot at the start of the season is that you have that flexibility in the center of the midfield with guys that can play different positions to give them rest or when injuries like this come along. So um, Eli did get hurt. Luke Brown, as I said, got more uh, playing in the second half. And then, then comes the 76th minute when this game turned on its head and – it was, I believe, Malcolm Johnston on the left side cut it back to the top of the box for David Kovacic, who rolls it out to the right side for the running Ben DeRosa, who takes a touch and lashes one from the corner of the box right into the top corner. And I, I was almost speechless. I think the first word out of my mouth was sensational or something along those I lines. Think it was what a goal. It was that too because my shock. And then I think trying to shock. Yeah. You know, the what a goal sounded like it, there was a hint of shock, but then sensational is the best word to describe it because I cannot believe yeah. that Ben DeRosa hit that the way he did. Now, I would have almost believed it more if he hit it far post. And it and could have been across over. Maybe. Yeah. But he just screamed it to the near post. And yeah. As a keeper, you cannot get beat to the near post no. like that on a shot like that. But honestly, I don't even blame the keeper. That was just tremendous yeah. from Ben. And so Ben, in our interview, will tell you exactly what he was thinking when lining up for a shot and why he took that shot on instead of maybe crossing it. So it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts there. But that was one of the best goals I've seen in a Maryland uniform in, in some time. This is year four for me now around Maryland soccer. I have not seen a goal close to that. And yeah. that is in my freshman year where Gordon Wilde, who we'll touch on more later, went crazy for the yeah. whole season <laughs> and was scoring multiple goals a game, beautiful goals with his left foot. But they all happened, like, on the road. So mm -hmm. I never actually at Ludwig got to see a goal like yeah. that. Uh, and and finally, uh, you got one, at I, least. I, but I, I did. I'm still, you, I'm still waiting to see one like that at Ludwig Field. You had the Paul Bin overtime goal against Penn State. The goal itself it was, was not great, but it was, it was the moment. Yes, it, was it was the a occasion. moment, yes. but, like, it was just fine. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was open at the top of the box, on the ground to the low corner. Yeah. Nothing special yeah. about it besides the moment. Plenty of time left in this season for you to get that goal, Jeff. I hope so, so. Uh, But, uh, again, the celebration this time, because this is what we're going to do now. We're going to talk about their celebrations. And, guys, when you're listening to this, you need to work on your celebrations because they will be picked apart by us uh, week in, week out. Um, so this time, first thing Ben did, and we'll talk to him a little bit about this too, he kissed the badge. And then he ran up and tried to stand on the advertising boards, which we've seen done by Sebastian Elney. We've seen done by Eric Matzlevich. A lot of guys who scored big goals in big moments, they run in what Ben called it, 
and we'll touch on this a little bit, but he's calling it the Ludwig Leap, and I had not heard it called that before, and Ben hadn't really either, so I think we're going to give him the trademark on that. If, if somebody has uh, reference of this being discovered or discussed before, please let us know, because currently Ben DeRosa has a trademark on, on the Ludwig Leap, and so he will talk about how well or I think we've got to ask the go. fine folk from Green Bay, Wisconsin, if we're allowed to mend their that's, Lambo leap. That's kind of the thing. Here. Yeah, I think we've got to get clearance from them first. So if anybody is tuning in from Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, let us know if you're okay with that first. Well, no. But, first of all, first of all, tell us why you're listening to a Maryland soccer podcast true. from Gr- also Wisconsin. True. <laughs> but then, then answer that other question. And Anyways, then send us some cheese curds, please. <laughs> um, anyway, so a. Great goal from Ben Rose. As I said, we're going to hear from him in literally just a few minutes at this point. Um, and then kind of after that goal, nothing else really. Whoa, whoa, wait. I didn't get to grade the celebration. Oh, yeah. Comparing I'm sorry. It, comparing it to Matt Zalevich, I'm going to go with Eric's just because it was bonkers. Yeah. And I love the chaos of it. But Ben's is just classic. I love kissing the badge. Yeah. Pride for your school slash country slash yeah. club, wherever you are when you score a goal. It's good. It's a good, simple thing. And yeah. then the Ludwig Leap, if it if it becomes a thing, we will know that this is where it, I guess, kind of started with a name from. Uh, but definitely Eric's was a lot more entertaining. Yeah, and so he's going to talk about what he should have done differently because the leap didn't exactly go <laughs> perfectly. But I'll let, I'll let him describe that uh, because he does a better job at it. So, yeah, nothing else really happened in that game after no. Ben DeRosa's goal. So I mentioned I was out of town. I turned it on after DeRosa's goal, <laughs> and it was about – 13 of the most forgettable minutes of soccer I've watched in my entire life. Yeah, so you kind of picked a bad time to tune in. Yeah, I I was about two minutes too late. Maryland picks up the 1-0 win over Villanova. They open the season with a third consecutive home shutout, the first time they've done that since 1999, which... I was one. Well, that was the conversation. So Taylor Smythe, the team's media representative, texted that to some of us that cover the team. And he said the last time this happened, assistant coach Scott Butte was on the team, and he jokingly called him an old man. <laughs> and so I said, well, Taylor, when that happened, I was five months old. And Taylor said, well, now you're making me feel old. <laughs> so I was like, there you go. That's what you get for calling Scott an old man. But, yeah, Scott Butte, the assistant coach, was on that team with Sasha Swarovski, um back in 99, the first time the, or the last time the Terps have opened the season with three consecutive home clean sheets. And so they will look to continue that with another two home games coming up uh, tonight, Friday night, and Monday night as well. But now we will go to our interview with Ben DeRosa, who's having quite the week. He picked up that belter of a goal. I've heard it. I think I say this in the interview, but I think I've heard it called everything at this point. Um, He was also Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, part of that back line that has kept so many consecutive clean sheets over the past few games. Um, And a great guy. And so here is now our interview with Ben DeRosa of the Maryland men's soccer team. Now joined by Ben DeRosa, who is having quite the week uh, after his stunner, screamer, belter. I've seen it called pretty much everything uh, on Monday night. And Ben, just kind of take us through that, because I want to start with this, because it was obviously probably the best goal you've scored so far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just kind of walk me through, first of all, the decision to shoot from there, and then just kind of everything that happened after that. Yeah, so basically, earlier on in the game, I, I got a ball at the top of the box, and I took a touch, and I heard Luke calling for it heavily, and I like tried to lay it off to him, and it didn't quite get there, and I was just like, oh, next time I'm, I'm not laying it off, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna take it myself. Uh, so then I got the feed from, from David, uh, and it was like perfectly weighted, easy to take a touch, and then I was like, all right, here's my chance, I gotta just get this. Yeah. Uh, 
and just struck it well. Have you ever struck a sweeter ball than that? Ah, <sighs> any game. Any Definitely game. not in a game. Okay, yeah, not in a game. yeah. Um, and then the celebration. Just what was what was kind of the thought, and then what happened? <laughs> yeah, I've I've always known that I want to I want to kiss the badge. Um, so I, that's what I did right away. Uh, and then I tried to do the Ludwig leap, uh-huh. and it didn't quite didn't quite stick. Uh, <laughs> apparently, so Mike was telling me. When you do it, you have to go up to the black pole, and you gotta grab the black pole. So he was like, "Oh, when I saw you going away from the black <laughs> pole, I knew you're gonna struggle." So I, it's not as wide as you think it is on the, on yeah. the sideboard. <laughs> so I, I didn't quite stick it because uh, I wasn't holding on to the pole. But it, overall, I was I was happy with the badge kiss. There you go. <laughs> and just overall, way too excited to care. <laughs> yeah. So and then we find out, what is it? Tuesday that Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, and now. Obviously, probably some of that was the goal mm-hmm. as well. But then you guys, for the past, what is it, three home games in a row now, yeah, clean sheets, which is the first time, I believe, since 99 when Scott was a player yeah. here. Um, so how, how have you seen kind of the back line coming together? Because you have, like, some new faces back there. Obviously, Chase was starting ahead of Matt last year, and then mm-hmm. Brett comes in. How have you kind of seen that gel? Um, I think, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I think we had a, a really good spring last spring to kind of all play together. And all four of us have been like playing on the field at different times, just not necessarily as as a unit on the back line. Um, and so I think that just goes into it. Like last year, we were all kind of playing different parts of the, of the team, and then now we're just all kind of playing bigger roles in the back line. But I think last spring was definitely big for us um, to just gel. And then preseason, as the season's gone on, we had like a couple games where we gave away some goals uh, that we thought we could have like avoided. Uh, but now at home, we feel like we've been doing well. Been, I mean, credit to our attackers too, because they've been pressing really well. Uh, as I'm sure you probably noticed, like they're just helping us out a ton, working their butts off for us. So it's huge for huge for all four of us back there. And you're kind of in a different situation this year. You're swapping goalkeepers pretty much each game. What have you? Obviously, that's kind of a different feeling having a different goalkeeper behind you from <clears> game to game. What have you seen from both Russ and Nick that kind of has helped you guys in the back so far? The differences between the two, maybe? Um, in terms of differences, um, I would say... Besides, Russ has two working eyes currently. And yeah, one has the one. yeah one, one's having vision problems because <laughs> of the, the injury the yeah. other day. But um, I don't know, I think we're, we're really confident with both of them. Um, we've been playing with Russ for a while. We can see what... Like last year, we saw what he was doing in practice. We were like, "Wow, this guy's got some some special like shot blocking ability." And then Nicholas came in, uh, didn't know too much about him, coming over from Germany, and he stepped in and like during preseason, we were like, "Wow, this kid can play too." Yeah. Uh, so I think it, it makes sense what Sasha's doing, just kind of rotating them game to game. Um, and then I think we're just excited for both of them. I don't I don't think it's like a type of thing where we're hoping one yeah. like separates themselves. Like as long as they both keep. Keep it up. We're we're happy with either of them back there. So we'll kind of do your background real quick. And you're again a local guy. We had Eric on last week, another local guy. Just kind of walk me through your journey from. I you posted a picture somewhere of you and Matt in the crib, I think, with the yeah. soccer ball. And yeah. so kind of from then <laughs> to to right before you got to College Park. Just what was the journey? Okay, so so the story behind the soccer ball picture. Uh, and that was like the the first day we were born. Really? Um, yeah. So my dad's from Paraguay in South America. Really? So, yeah. So he's 
he's been a big soccer fan his whole life, and obviously he wanted us to be like soccer fans, soccer players. So he he brought the ball right away to place it in with us. And then my mom was an athlete too. She didn't play in college, but she played she like played preseason for Harvard field hockey, but then didn't end up doing it. Uh, so she's athletic too. She loves sports, loves soccer. So. I mean, that's how it started with the soccer ball picture. They both wanted to groom us into soccer players, I guess. But um, So then later on, growing up in D.C., we played for D.C. Stoddard, uh, which is like the, it's not super well-known, but for local area people, like it's, it's a good club in D.C. Um, and then in about seventh grade is when we made like the kind of big jump to a bigger soccer team, like kind of a little bit more competitive uh, in terms of like nationally competitive uh, in Bethesda. And at the time, it was a it was a club team, like it was a like non academy yeah. uh, club team. So the reason why we did that was honestly because we were thinking we wanted to play high school soccer. Uh, and then we got to Bethesda, and a year <laughs> later, they were like, "Okay, we're becoming an academy, which means you can't play high school yeah. soccer." And we like it, it didn't take us long. We were loving Bethesda, so we were, we bought into that. Yeah. Uh, and then so I didn't play high school soccer. I just played for Bethesda uh, Academy. Um, and we, we had some good years, like my freshman year is a really good team. Um, and that's when I became right back. Uh, I didn't play at all in the back line up until then. What were uh, you before that? I was a winger and a center midfielder. Uh, and then basically my freshman year is either, of, of high school, is either you're not going to be in the starting lineup <laughs> or you're going to be a right back. So I was yeah. like, okay, I'm, I'm a right back now. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how I became a right back. And then... Throughout, throughout high school, I just stayed as a, as a right back for all four years. We had some, some good years. Uh, I'm a huge fan of my co- two coaches, Matt Nay and Brett Colton, and I've known them for a really long time now, and they helped me get here. So um, that was that. And then outside of Bethesda Academy, I'll give a, a shout-out to Randy Rocha. Uh, his son's playing for Georgetown now but as a freshman, but he – I worked with him like twice a week, three times a week outside of practices, uh, just in terms of like strength training, endurance stuff. Uh, and he was a huge help to like get me ready for college, just getting stronger, getting faster. So you're at the, did you overlap with any other guys on the team? Because I know a few that have been on the team are on the team. They've all, some of them have come from Bethesda. Do you overlap, obviously besides Matt, do you overlap with anybody else? Um, yeah, Eric. So, Eric yeah. yeah, my freshman and sophomore year, um, I was playing with Eric, and then he went overseas to England our junior year, so I, that's when we kind of stopped playing. He came back briefly a senior year and played for DC United Academy. But that's when I got to know Eric, um, I think his freshman year. Uh, got really close to him because he's from DC too. Just like, I mean, he's a, got a, a big personality too, so yeah. <laughs> when he's on your team, you, you grow close to him quick. Uh, so Griffin Bouchard played for us um, my freshman year. And I, I played with him all four years of high school uh, for Bethesda too, uh, and I played with Fola actually. Really? Yeah, my freshman year. Um, this is the team that was like really good. Uh-huh. Um, Fola was on that team, and besides that, I don't think just just those three. Just those. Matt. Yeah, he counts. <laughs> um, so, just what was kind of the the recruitment process or the kind of the decision to come to Maryland because you're a local guy from the area, but when did you know that kind of Maryland was the place for you? Um, I think, so basically 
in terms of recruiting, we were talking to a lot of like the local schools uh, and Maryland included. I think all along we kind of knew Maryland was was where we wanted to go. Uh, just like kind of the the culture and the like the big time yeah. program aspect of it. Um, so I think we always kind of wanted to go to Maryland. And there was a couple other schools um, that we were interested in academically. Like Princeton was was interested in us and. Uh, my, both my sisters went to Princeton, so we were definitely thinking about going there. And then Louisville was really interested, and we considered them. Uh, and they have a really good program too. But ultimately, like you can't beat Maryland. Uh, just the the facilities, the game day atmosphere, the coaching, like everything's just kind of top notch. So we, it was a pretty like you want to take your time with that decision. Yeah. But ultimately, when we decided we were going to Maryland, we were like, all right, I'm I'm sure that this is the place for me. Yeah. So you kept saying. When we decided for the right place for us, were you, were you were you guys a package deal? Yeah, we were a package deal. Okay. So we every time we talked to a coach, we kind of like made sure that, that was clear and yeah. off the, like just not to waste anybody's time. Uh, uh, we knew we wanted to go together, so that's kind of like either you have a spot for both of us or you don't have a spot for either. So so how close were you guys kind of growing up? Because I know like sometimes like twins they like try to like like yeah. they go away from each other. But what was that like for you guys? Yeah, that wasn't really us. We we've always been pretty close. Uh, yeah. really close. Um, just kind of always best friends, always yeah. doing everything together, uh, never spending much time apart. Actually, a funny story about that is uh, last year when we played Northwestern, at Northwestern, um, I was really sick uh, and I ended up going to the hospital for just like a, a flu and just getting like IVs and stuff. Mm -hmm. But so that marked the first time that we went 24, hour, 24 hours without seeing each other. <laughs> that like your entire yeah, life? Our entire lives, yeah. Seriously, yeah. that's crazy. That crazy yeah. Not even like a sleepover in elementary no. schools. That's wild. Yeah, that was really crazy. I, um, I don't think I can say that about anybody in yeah. my life. That's insane. So obviously, you guys package deal coming to Maryland. You show up at the same time. Um, you did you go to Maryland games? Probably growing up, you'd been to a few. I'm sure. Yeah. What was kind of the feeling walking out to Ludwig Field as a player for the first time? It, yeah, crazy. Like hard to describe. Yeah, uh, and especially like playing, like, yeah. getting on the field for your first time. Uh -huh. It's you, you barely remember it. Like you, you feel like you're playing FIFA or something. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a video game. Uh, that's what me and Matt both just like. We talked about it afterwards to like yeah. kind of compare our experiences, and we, we both just kind of like agreed that you just kind of don't feel like you're actually out there. Yeah, uh, especially like those Friday night games when there's so many people there. Like. That's pretty crazy. Like I, I would even really know how to describe it. Yeah. So for you and Matt, you said you were very, very close. But is there any kind of competitiveness, a healthy rivalry or unhealthy rivalry at times yeah, or something? I, I, there's definitely a lot of healthy rivalries. Um, I know Eric in the last episode <laughs> talked about the Fortnite. Yeah, I was gonna get um, to that. Yeah. So. What he said? He said he, he, me and Matt. Were yeah. Like, he said you guys were the best. He said he was the worst. Yeah. Um, would you would you agree with that sentiment? Or do you uh, think there's somebody that comes in behind him? <laughs> so the the thing there is like, if anybody's worse than him, they would claim not to play. Gotcha. So, oh wow. Okay. So out of the <laughs> out of the guys who play consistently, okay, yeah, he's probably the weakest link, unfortunately. But okay, he just he, he's getting there. Okay. He, he just bought a an Xbox from uh, Alejandro. Okay. And so originally he was just. <laughs> borrowing an Xbox and just uh, guest playing. Uh -huh. So now he can kind of step it up, but now that he actually owns an Xbox. So. Yeah. 
So he said it was a tie between you and Maddie. He said he didn't want to put one yeah. over the other because he didn't want to start any apartment drama. Yeah, makes sense not to start anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not a tie. I, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a tie. He, Matt is definitely, we just have very different play styles. Okay. But if you want production, you definitely come to me. <laughs> um, and Matt will get his chance to respond to this. Yeah. Matt's a good tactician. Uh, he's like just good at, he's good at the game overall, but if you want like kills in yeah, Fortnite, yeah. You, this has very quickly become the official Maryland Soccer Fortnite podcast. I've <laughs> yeah. had two guys on, and we've gone on about Fortnite for quite a while. Mike is also really good. Yeah. Yeah. Eric didn't mention Mike, but Mike's up there. Uh, I would say me, Matt, and Mike are all really, really close. Okay. And it's hard to differentiate. When you guys play FIFA, what's the... Because Eric said you guys play FIFA mm. a bunch, too. He said he said that Brian was probably the best. He didn't yeah. give me a worse, but your thoughts. Um, I've heard that Craig is the best. Really? Yeah. Huh. I've, heard, I've heard Craig, I've heard Fola is also really good, and I've heard Nick is pretty competitive. So I think it's between those four if you throw Brian in there. Okay. Um, but I've, I'm pretty sure it's Craig. Okay. I haven't played against Craig, so I'm not, I can't vouch personally, but. You guys need to have I've, like a tournament, like yeah, a team-wide should, tournament, yeah. and just like the off-season or something, yeah. and just once and for all this <laughs> Um, where, where do you fall in the FIFA, FIFA rankings? Um, I'm not up there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm good. not as good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so. We'll probably get into the, the the we're already into it, the more fun aspect of the, yeah. the conversation where I just kind of fire random questions at you. Um, who is the most unkept on the team? Either the messiest locker, messiest apartment, messiest car? Craig has... That's exactly what Eric said. Yeah, Craig, <laughs> Craig in terms of just like, he has a tough time waking up, tough time like getting his locker clean, stuff like that. So. Okay. Maybe Craig. I don't want to throw one person under the bus. No, I know. But he, he's probably the first that comes to mind. My goal is to have the guys be able to respond to yeah. this as well. So we need to we need to be fair yeah, on both sides. Yeah, that makes you feel less bad. Yeah, yeah. You can throw anybody you want under the bus. They yeah. can respond. Yes, um, they know where to find it. Uh, so, um, what is probably on like you have a pregame pump up playlist you listen to or any kind of music that not even before game, but what do you listen to? Um, I listen to a lot of. Like J. Cole. Okay. I listen to a lot of like Kodak Black. Um, who else? Drake, Meek Mill. Th- those four are very incorporated into my pregame playlist. And then kind of just any new music that's that's really popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the locker room right now, we're listening to Post Malone's new album and St. John's new album. So St. John is not super popular. I was going to say I haven't heard Yeah. Of so he's like a new artist that we, like the whole team is just kind of like, Really discovering, in love with, yeah, discovering cool. yeah. And so, staying on the music track, if you were going to sing karaoke, what would be your go-to karaoke song? Um, trying to remember. So freshman year, we all have to do karaoke in front of the team. Oh yeah, how'd that go? Um, it didn't go super well. Did you and Matthew do it? Uh, we were forced to at the end. Um, we were forced to do. Uh, I can't remember what song. For my personal one, it was. Uh, T-Pain song. Um, <laughs> they was like, buy you a drink. Oh, okay. Mine. <laughs> it was mine. Um, but we're allowed to like read the lyrics, and we're allowed to have one earphone in during that, so that helps good. me with, pitch with the melody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to do a duet with somebody other than Matt on the team, because I, I asked Eric the same thing, mm-hmm. if, he was to, if he was to do a duet, who would you pick? Easy, Paul Ben. Yeah? Yeah. So Eric said he was maybe one of the worst singers on the team. Really? Your, your thoughts on that? 
he's definitely the most confident singer. I, I kind of picked up on that. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely <laughs> the most confident. I, I would say he's the best too. Oh, okay. But mainly because confidence is half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So half the other guys aren't willing to like let loose like that. That's fair. Uh, and he just goes for it. So yeah. If I want a duet partner, I want them to be confident. That would that would be maybe on my behalf. Yeah. Um, do you play any instruments or any kind of? I played a little bit of the guitar. Okay. Um, I don't play anymore though. Um, that was more during like my elementary school, middle school days. Favorite movie? You can, um, give, me, you can give me a few. Captain Phillips. Okay. I don't think I've seen that one. Really? Should I have seen that one? Yeah, that's really okay. Good. There's a lot of movies I haven't seen, uh, so I'm kind of like making. Yeah, work. it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's oh, really okay. good. Um, favorite TV show or what you're binge watching on Netflix or anything? Favorite TV show all time yeah. is either The Office or Breaking Bad. Okay. I've, I've obviously watched The Office. Yeah. Breaking Bad is on the list. So, um, what was probably like your like go-to thing as a kid? Like, what were you infatuated with? Like, everybody goes through those phases. Did you have Did you have like a phase or something? Like, Maybe like playing street hockey. Yeah. Was yeah. I went. I definitely went through a phase where that was like huh. what me and Matt did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of random because we had never played ice hockey, never really played, like, didn't even watch that much hockey. And all of a sudden, we bought roller skates, bought hockey sticks, like, bought all this gear. Yeah. Uh, and we were just loving it. Wow. Um, yeah, that was probably the most random, like, short phase of just being obsessed with something. Uh, and then it kind of just <laughs> fell off out of nowhere. This is just one of those phases. Yeah. Um, you travel a lot? Um, yeah, I did. Where most interesting place you traveled, craziest place you traveled? Um... I went to the World Cup in South Africa. Really? Which is, yeah. That's, and I, so I got to see the final Fifth there. grade? Is that? Um, yeah, yeah. Fourth, 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 fifth fourth grade. Fourth yeah. grade, okay. What was that? How did that happen? What? My dad got him through, he got tickets through his work. Um, and so that was just an insane trip. Um, and like we went on a, a safari uh, and my, like me and my mom and my sisters and my dad we're just going everywhere and like exploring South Africa and that was really cool. Wow. What games yeah. did you see down there? We saw the final. Did you? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> um, so obviously soccer, a big part of your life growing up, who were, who was one or a few players you kind of like looked up to? Cause you said you started playing right back in high school. Mm -hmm. Was there somebody that you kind of modeled your game in as a right back or just a player that you just kind of loved watching? Maybe Danny Alves yeah. is one guy that I just kind of like fell in love with in terms of being a right back. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, I liked watching uh, Messi, obviously, and then Arjun Robin yeah. uh, was just really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and that's a guy that I saw in South Africa. So when I saw him play live, that's kind of I kind of grew attached to watching like his play style and how he always cuts in and stuff like that, and just like the, <laughs> the speed that he runs at guys. Um, but for a right back, definitely Danny Alves. Yeah. So what is one thing that? we have not talked about that's not in your bio on the website that you think people should, should know about you? Is there anything? It's tough. Uh, we'll, we'll do this. You told me your major. Why don't you yeah. say what your major is and kind of just that, because that's a oh, little yeah, something that's, that's a little more out there. Yeah, it's a little more out there. So I'm majoring in philosophy, uh, and I'm doing a minor in business. Um, but the, the philosophy major, everyone's kind of like, surprised by yeah. and wondering where I'm going with that uh, and I, I tell them one it kind of runs my family my sister's uh, getting a PhD in philosophy 
and then my uncle and my grandfather were both like into they major in philosophy and teach philosophy now um, so that definitely factored into it. My cousins uh, was a philosophy major at UCLA. Uh, just a ton of <laughs> philosophy in my family. Yeah. Uh, and then I kind of like that it's it's a little different. Like you don't really see too many like college athletes majoring in philosophy. So it kind of you just kind of get different people in your classes, a wide ranger like of people that I would probably never run into otherwise, uh, and just kind of learning some different skills. Uh, and I. I, I don't know that I would go into philosophy. Uh, like, there's not too many jobs, obviously, yeah. in philosophy. Yeah, but, professional philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would maybe go into law or something like that once soccer's all, all said and done. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, one of the last things. You scored in the Big Ten tournament last year, mm-hmm. but then Matt scored in the College Cup. Yeah. But then you scored that goal Monday. <laughs> what does Matt have to do to top that? Can he top that? The only way for him to top it... So I scored in the Big Ten tournament against Indiana, yeah. and Matt scored in the College Cup against Indiana. Yeah. So the only way for him to top this one would be if we run into Villanova in the College Cup and uh-huh. he scores. How, how, but how would he score in a way that <laughs> is, is, is better than that? Um, that was a FIFA goal. That, that's straight <laughs> up what, what that was. Yeah, maybe maybe off the post and in or something like that. Bike or something. Yeah, bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I had one last thing and it just escaped me. Um, so what is one thing that people should know about this team as a whole, either on the field, off the field, that you think needs to kind of be put out there a little bit? Um, probably how close we are as a team off the field. Uh, last year that was huge for us. Uh, we had so much fun together just at practice, in the locker room, at home hanging out and stuff like that and I think that there's one thing we learned it's how important it is to be just like really connected on and off the field and I think this team is is really close off the field and we got a lot of different personalities but a lot of personalities that mesh well together uh there's not too many not too many conflicts at all in practice or off the field or wherever just mainly conflicts with video games yeah okay yeah so we've there's a lot of banter yeah so out of that banter we we've discussed the the fortnight we've discussed the people are there any other any other things that we need to be aware of that we can maybe have some of the other guys weigh in on um yeah poker poker yeah i have i'm not super into poker and i'm not very good at poker so i don't want to lose too much money (laughs) but i know justin and ryan blumberg are big into poker wow uh, and so they've been running a lot of poker sessions. So you should Interesting. You should ask some guys about poker. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. And again, congrats on thank that so goal much. and Defensive Player of the Week. Of course. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Ludwig Lowdown with Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. So once again, we'd like to thank Ben DeRosa for sitting down with me the other day to talk about pretty much everything and there's a lot more banter that goes on with this team that is still yet to be discovered yet to be discussed yet to be brought to light but i i promise you we will get to the bottom of some of these these debates these controversies uh in the team with who's 
best at Fortnite poker, whatever it might be. So stay tuned for more of that. But once again, thank you to Ben DeRosa. So now we will move to the previews of the upcoming matches for Maryland tonight, Friday night. They take on Northwestern, the opening game of Big Ten play. And Joe, give us your preview of what Maryland and the Wildcats have at stake. So know your opponent, Northwestern, beat Maryland in 2014 and 2015. Those were Maryland's first two seasons in the Big Ten. They have not won since the Wildcats of Northwestern. It's been three wins in a row for the Terps. Northwestern hasn't had a winning season since 2014, which was Maryland's first in the Big Ten. So from 2015 on, it's been all losing seasons for Northwestern. They right now sit at 3-3. Three and three. Uh, One common opponent uh, with the Terps, they lost 1-0 in overtime against UCLA to start the season. Then they beat Pitt. One to nothing, lost to Lehigh, two to nothing, and Bowling Green three to nothing. So it was a rough stretch there. Dropped them to one and three, but they've won two in a row: three and two over Western Illinois, then one and zero over Eastern Illinois. But a big <laughs> jump in competition, though. Now no more directional Illinois. A Friday night at Ludwig, a much different setting. They only scored five goals in six games. Northwestern. It's tough to get a read on this team early in the season. On the one hand, you have them a one nil victory against a solid pit team that just beat Akron. A 1-0 loss in overtime against UCLA. It's two good results. But then they go against Lehigh at home and lose 2 to nothing, And Bowling Green at home and lose 3 to nothing. Those are two very much head-scratching results. But then they go 3-2 three, three to two win over Western Illinois. And again, one nothing win over Eastern Illinois. So they, they, they wrote... Let me stop for a second and, and <laughs> get that tongue twister out of my mouth. They got over the hump and got back on track. Um, but much different animal Friday night at Ludwig Field against a team they've struggled against that they haven't beaten in a few years. Um, it's a very favorable matchup for the Terps in a season that has had a lot of tough early matchups. Again, we always harp on how Sasha likes to schedule a very tough early schedule for his team. This is the first quote-unquote easy matchup they have, um, at least on paper now, in the Big Ten as you go through the whole season, nothing's necessarily easy, so maybe that wasn't the right word to use. Any given night, any team could beat anybody. But on paper, it is the first matchup where Maryland is the much better team. Even USF at the beginning, it was a team that ended the season well last year, a team yeah. that a lot of people believe will get to a point this season where they may be receiving votes or sneak into the top 25. Mm-hmm. But Northwestern is the first team that is legitimately just not on par with Maryland, at least on paper. And it's only for a little bit that they get this break because then after that, St. John's and Rutgers looking further, all ranked teams coming mm-hmm. in uh, beyond that. So yes, that is correct. Maryland's game after that will be against St. John's, who is not exactly a minnow in the college soccer world, but not exactly one that's discussed uh, in the College Cup conversation. So St. John's, I will now do the St. John's preview. They have had a historic start to their season. They're the number nine team in the nation currently. They've started their season 6-0, and which is the first time they've ever started with six consecutive wins. And they have actually looked a decent side, getting some decent results. They started the season with two road games, uh, a 2-0 win over Appalachian State, or however you want to correctly pronounce that. Tell me if I'm wrong. Thank you, good. Um, People get on people about that. Apparently there's different ways to to say that. Anyways, they then go down to Raleigh, a 1-0 win in double overtime at NC State, and then a 3-0 win at home over Manhattan, a 3-2 win at home over Iona, and then a 1-0 win over Penn at home. And now they're coming off of a very lopsided 5-1 win at Columbia Monday night. And that, I mean, 
that's a pretty impressive offensive performance. Um, midfielder Brandon Knapp had two goals with the other three coming from their bench. Now, I don't know a ton about what their traditional starting lineup is just yet. That's a weekend prep kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, if you have three goals coming from your bench, that signals depth. Now, I don't know if these are starting guys that were getting a rest or whatever, but you have depth uh, on that team as well that can provide a spark from the bench. So they play against Xavier at the same exact time Maryland will play at Northwestern Friday night. Um, and they're looking to move to 7-0 and to start the season. And so, obviously, the teams that they have played aren't exactly – I was like, about to say, not yeah. quite uh, the same crop of teams that Maryland and other yeah. teams have played against. But the results are there, and you can't take anything away from Absolutely. that. It's not their fault that they're playing teams that maybe aren't on that level. Yeah. They're just taking care of business the way they have to. That's all you can. You can only beat the teams put in front of you. Exactly. And so, uh, they will look to move to 7-0. and uh, Friday night against Xavier before they come to College Park uh, to take on the Terrapins Monday night. So some pretty interesting matchups that Maryland has going into this weekend, especially coming off of two relatively positive results. I mean, the score lines were very positive, and I would say the Akron game was very positive. Villanova not as convincing, but still you got the Benderosa screamer, so what more can you ask for? Um, and they've got to make sure that they don't get caught napping on Friday night against Northwestern yes. looking ahead to uh, a team that's got a single-digit ranking next to their name on Monday night. Yes. So we'll now kind of move into our Pro Terp segment, which we do week in, week out, because there's so many former Maryland Terrapins playing in the professional leagues. And I will start with a guy that has already been mentioned on this podcast, and that's Gordon Wild. So somebody that's played a little bit more recently, but not on last year's team. He was on Atlanta for a few years, playing with Charleston Battery Atlanta 2, kind of in the USL leagues, and then was waived by Atlanta in July. Now, a week later, he signed with DC United, so Gordon came home. And he's back in the DMV, and he hasn't played too much for DC United yet. He made a appearance against Marseille in a friendly, the French team. Um, but he's been getting the majority of his playing time at Loudoun United, DC United's new USL affiliate, uh, who just opened a brand new lovely stadium and all that. But he's been playing a lot for Loudoun. And since joining the team in late July, he scored five goals and is the second leading scorer on the team, joining midway through the season. And uh, I've been watching highlights and watching some of the games and stuff, and he is scoring very typical Gordon Wild goals, cutting on to the say, left he's foot. He's looked like the Gordon Wild of old. Gordon Wild of. My freshman year, so yes. his, I don't know, whatever year that was for sophomore. him. His sophomore, sophomore year? transferred and then had yes, a left his after technical junior. sophomore yes. year. Um, he struggled in his junior year, so Absolutely. my sophomore year. But he is now, again, looking like he found that form again. And, and just like you mentioned, just the classic goals for him, just yeah. turn, whip it with the left foot. Maybe you see some of those out of Padilla going forward for the Terps. I don't Who's know. But <laughs> I, I know. I just mentioned that because I know uh, in the Akron game, you and I remarked at how how similar it seems like their left feet are. Yeah. Um, but he's just been phenomenal back in this area with Loudon. Yeah, and so it's going to be tough. He is, for those of you that don't completely understand how that loan system to the USL works, Gordon Wild is on DC United's roster, but they have every major league soccer team has the ability to loan out players to the USL, which is essentially the second division, third division, whichever one the team is in uh, week in, week out to continue to get playing time. So he can still feature for DC United pretty much at any time he wants, but I'd it's going to be it's unlikely this season because Wayne Rooney is still in the lineup. Yeah. And you also have brought in Ola Kamara who play exactly. relatively the same positions as Gordon Wilde. However, you know, Wayne Rooney's going back over to England following the season. He gone. And so maybe with Gordon Wilde, if he continues to put this form in for the rest of the season we may see him featuring a little bit more for the black and red this season rather than the red and black of Maryland. Yeah, he's going to 
have a bright future in that program. Look, starting with Atlanta United, I don't know what the case was behind the scenes. It just didn't seem to click with him. Well, that's kind there. of a, a same situation. You had Joseph Martinez. Say, you, you had, had people, so many attacking players. You had people players. in front of him on the senior team. Mm-hmm. But then below that, it just, for whatever reason, didn't seem like it was clicking yeah. within the walls of the USL squad down there. Mm-hmm. So fresh start, back in this area. Whatever changed has changed for the better, and he is back to his dominant self that we saw here. And, and it plenty of opportunity for him going forward next season so flip it over to my side now my uh, pro terp to highlight Subasa Endo Subasa Endo 10 games played this season for Toronto FC uh, two goals two assists and over this past weekend he scored the opener and what was a wild game it was insane. Uh, Toronto and Colorado I don't know if you caught any of that I caught a brief uh chunk of the middle of that game mm-hmm. uh, but he started the scoring in the eighth minute uh, Toronto ended up going on to win three to two but just a guy who has really found his footing with that Toronto FC squad that's making a playoff push now fighting for those last couple of spots mm-hmm. I believe they're just above let me double check that right now hold on I have my computer in front of me and, and Toronto and FC is just above the line they're yeah. number four right now in the Eastern Conference so uh, it's all tight 45 points for them, 45 points for D.C. United, 44 for the Red Bulls. So it's all tight in the playoff race yeah. right now uh, in the Eastern Conference. And a big goal in a big moment for that team that's fighting for it. And Toronto FC is kind of the, uh, I have to explain Maryland, this, but the Maryland, new, new D.C. United because D.C. United <laughs> was always the team that had several Terps on the roster. But yes. now with Toronto FC, you Subasa Endo has been there for several years now and is now just finally starting to work his way in. Omar Gonzalez came back home and he is now playing for Toronto FC. And Patrick Mullins is now with Toronto FC as well. So you have three Terps, which two of them are typically in the starting lineup with one on the bench. So you have the potential for three Maryland players on the field at one time out of 11 for a Major League Soccer team that's pushing for the playoffs. I want to call it Maryland North, but being in Canada, it's Maryland way north. Yeah, it's way all the way up there. So, yeah, a lot of Terps doing good things in the pros, and we've talked a lot about Zach Steffen, Chase Gasper, those guys still playing as well. But we wanted to mix it up and give you some some new updates on some new players that we haven't discussed as much because, like we said, there are so many playing out there Subas is in the so pros. fun to watch. He is. He's a very he electric player. He's one of the under-the-radar pro Terps. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people focus on some of the others, whether it's Gonzalez or whether it Steffen. was um, yeah, all those guys yeah. who, who have the national team notoriety. Mm-hmm. But Endo is fun to watch. Yeah. He is re- when he is out there and he is playing his best soccer, he is really quick and really fun to watch out there. Yeah, so if you're looking for a Major League Soccer team to support that's not the local D.C. United, Toronto might be a pretty good bet for you with the – well, Toronto or Minnesota because they have Dane that's and true. Chase as well. you got some options out there, but a lot of pro turfs doing a lot of good things at the next and level. If you ever want to go see them in person, I hope you like snow because both of those <laughs> locations, you are going to have to bundle up. Yeah, bring a Parker or something. So <laughs> That will do it for the fourth episode of the Ludwig Lowdown. We'd like to thank, again, the team and Ben DeRosa for sitting down down with us and joe i'd like to thank you uh for your return to the podcast he's back back. and you can catch both games coming up this weekend both at seven o'clock friday night against northwestern tonight against northwestern to open big 10 play and then st john's the number nine team comes to town monday night for a matchup with the terps at ludwig so once again we'd like to thank you for listening to the ludwig lowdown this has been wmuc sports radio your terps your station Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!